Okay, okay, hold on. So, mm-hmm. freeze pops. Yeah. Pop them in the middle. Yeah. So you have two. You have two in your hands. Mm-hmm. You've known about that. I did, and uh, the reason you Before don't today. do that. Oh yeah, yeah. And the reason you don't do that is Fucking because bullshit. No way. No way. No, 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 no. No way you knew that. Yeah, hundred percent. I did it for a kid today because my wife packed the. She took the bag that had like the scissors she brought in them, and one of the kids that was like a brother or a sibling. So quick backstory for I know we're just jumping in here. Uh, my my kids last. Uh, uh, baseball practice was today so we brought ice pops and sam had the bright uh revelation that you can just take a no, frozen ice pop and just pop Instagram. that shit in half and you now have it open without having to cut it um the problem is especially for your child instead of one messy pop that you're gonna get everywhere you have two so you have to finish one and then quickly finish the other one before it melts and turns to juice and you forget it's there and you dump it all over yourself so not That's ideal amazing yeah, but that's amazing. I, I was today years old when I found that out, and uh, Twitter and, and uh, Instagram and TikTok had to tell me how to do that. So it's crazy that you know this and I didn't, because uh, we're both old. Hey, well, here, I guess here's a pro tip. You know that they have those for adults with booze in. Them? Well, yeah, you can make them. But uh, just saying, I'm oh, hashtag like, Team Scissors. Like, I'm Team Scissors. You, you, you cut off the top, or use your fucking teeth like a real person. No, you like, take, what, what is this? So, this is breaking it in you half. Take, what you take that? where it's frozen at the top. And you just with your teeth you bite and and pull like the the opposite direction of that exactly. and it literally just pops right off exactly. it's the same thing but exactly that, yeah exactly. this, this so what is, is this whole like, this break is it dumb in half unless you're trying to split this... it against if you want to split it up for two children or, or two grown adults you can snap it in half but otherwise you have one that's gonna be cold and delicious and another one that's turning to juice in your hand that you're gonna spill everywhere because you're a six-year-old that doesn't know what they're doing and i forgets. feel like i feel like i'm a six-year-old who doesn't know what i'm doing anything jeez let's, also true all right let's get into this here yeah, that's big facts, big facts. Season 3, <laughs> Episode 9 of Stats Don't Matter. Games 4 and 5 of the NBA Finals are over. OVA. The way this is going, the series might be OVA too. Let's talk about some divas and wide receivers. Hot take, they're one and the same. And our prediction is going to host Lord Stanley's Cup. In our Cups this week, it's a Hellas Lager from Astoria, Oregon. And a double IPA from North Haven, Connecticut. Do you like sports and beer? Yeah, you do. So follow us on Instagram at Stats of Matter, on Twitter at Stats Podcast. Find a podcast wherever you get your podcast. Sit your Apple, Spotify, Google. Tim, I looked at the stats today. Shout out to Captivate. Um, India is no longer our most uh, downloaded country. It oh. is the United States. It has come back roaring, probably because mm-hmm. kids are out of school, you know, pretty soon for the summertime here. So maybe yep. that's why. But uh, we're approaching 10,000 total downloads. Pretty big deal. Pretty big deal. Uh, I wonder. I wonder, all if, the... wonder if maybe India realized you're not the uh, pop artist, Sam Smith. You are uh, could be could be sports sports fan and, and, and beer connoisseur from uh, middle of nowhere. I mean, you never know. He could be. Could be. He could be. He could be. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Not Let's that. get into this here. All right. Tim. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We have some business we need to address real quick. What it? What is? What it is? Oh, you know. You know. Sam, rumor has it you saw oh, a God. film oh, in boy. which you spent a you know I, I thought a good oh, geez, I thought... of time, and I'm doing this before <sighs> we even get into the beer because there is some comeuppance and some reckoning that needs to happen here. So I apologize for derailing this whole thing right off the bat. But Sam, I need and I have uh, I have the the red receipts for this, so you can't <laughs> you can't swindle us, Sam. 
Uh, I heard you saw Top Gun Maverick, and I would like to know what your thoughts on it. In All right, I'm going to preface three this. Three words or less, and then you can go into your... <laughs> it was... Fucking amazing. <laughs> there it is. All right. Uh, okay. All right. I'm going to preface this by saying, look, I really, I, I still stand behind my whole, you know, Scientology is going to benefit from this thing. I don't think that's a conspiracy. But uh, listen, too many films these days come out and they try and do like nostalgia piano, just beat you over the head mm-hmm. with things incessantly. The way this story had subtle ties in, but the way that they absolutely made you feel like you were in the cockpit because mm. the, the pilots themselves are actually in the back seat most of the time yeah. flying with Navy pilots with their whole bunch of training. Um, you really kind of do get the feeling that you're in the plane. And and there are some CG sequences, I'm sure, but um, it was one of those rare movies where the second one is just as good, if not better than the first. Mm-hmm. It is, you know, adapted and modernized to the time. And even even the ending, I was just like, come on, fuck it, really? But I, in the theater, I was like, woo, like, let's go. You know what I mean? Like it, it I, is. Avatar is not going to do that when the second Avatar comes out. But yeah. this is like the, one of those instances where the technology needed to catch up, the actors needed to catch up, and we did need a story that that kind of brought some things back. Um, a little Tim Spiracy going on, having a hard time recruiting people, and this movie just comes out mm, right around Memorial Day. I, I don't think that's by mistake, right? Because we mm-hmm. know the first one generated tons of interest and wanted to be a Navy pilot. But yeah, this this was good, and I went in there wanted to hate it, and about um. 25, 30 minutes into the film, I was like, all right, all right this is going to hurt if I keep trying to fake scowl like this for the rest of this two-hour movie, so I guess I got to... I mean, I didn't I didn't clap wildly at the end of the film like everyone else did. Woo! There's this guy who's like, this is my second time seeing it, and I was like, bro, get a fucking life. I just sat here for like two hours, Yeah, and I like the movie, but you, you need a break after seeing that movie. It's a lot. It is, but I got I got to tell you, me and all my ADD-isms, I got my I got my candy and I got my soda. Uh, I usually have to get up and and take a leak once during the movie. Mm-hmm. I did not move. Couldn't do it from my seat. Yep. I didn't finish my my water. I didn't finish the candy, and I didn't get up to go anywhere. I don't even know if I really shifted in my seat the entire time. <laughs> so all I gotta say is I was correct. Sam was wrong. Uh, it's a great film. It's one of those. I never saw Avatar, the original Avatar in like IMAX and everybody talks about that being like an experience, almost like a ride. And that is a ride for different reasons. This, in my opinion, is somewhat similar in that like you cannot watch that movie without feeling like pure adrenaline pumping through your veins. From what I understand, nothing filmed in a cockpit was CGI. That was all practical they taught the pilots how to operate uh imax cameras that were finally small enough to fit inside the cockpit while they were flying and man it is it it all pays off you're right that the technology needed to come in place i think they needed to get folks dedicated to the process of of learning how to navigate and do all of those things which obviously comes across on screen but yeah the the sprinkling of the nostalgia even even and anybody who's seen the preview i'm not spoiling anything here but the the topless shirt scene was of relevance to the story 
and a little bit of a nod to what took place in the first one, but it actually, when you see it, you get it. It's like, oh, okay. It is a nod. It's a clear nod, but it has its place in the film, and it did a good job of doing that. When you see a lot of the little references, like I was nervous the whole time that, like, right off the, I mean, if you've seen the first one, right off the first 10 seconds, I'm like, oh, shit, here we go. We're gonna we're gonna try mm-hmm. a little too hard. Although I did get like foot and, and like emotional at that sound because I mi- I immediately pictured being like six six to my man. <laughs> yeah, uh, so yeah. It, it has it has the same exact opening theme and what I'm sure is either almost perfectly side by side filmed or original uh, original content. But anyway, anyway, I just wanted to hear Sam say I was right before we started this thing. So we'll we'll yeah carry yeah on you were right. Right. It, it, the, the movie is lucky. There's a couple of uh, that would never fucking happen. Oh yeah, ever. that's why it's a moment. That's right? why it's a movie, not a documentary. I uh, know, I know, but it, it sure felt like a, a mockumentary there. But oh, okay, great. great th- hold on, real quick. Great theory. Uh, if you haven't seen it yet, uh, pause here. Skip ahead <laughs> three minutes or less. I'm, I'm gonna. I'll. I'll say three minutes just in case. But ready? Pause. Okay. Uh, I saw a story today that uh, was pretty interesting and that there's a theory going around that the movie is actually the dying sequence right before Tom Cruise actually dies when he's flying the plane in the beginning and it mm-hmm. blows up Yeah, because everything so perfectly falls into place. Goose's son is wearing, I mean, he, he makes amends with, you know, what is the ghost of Goose in his son? But his son is wearing the same clothes, the same glasses, playing the same music. Same he makes it right with yep. Penny. He does like an impossible mission that nobody else could do and succeeds. And he flies the the Tomcat at the tail end of it. Like, which I, yeah, I, that's that's my second never yeah, would fucking happen. Uh, yeah, that was well, the first actually, time where oh, I was no, like, no, oh. oh, no, 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 actually, I looked this shit up. I absolutely looked this shit up because I was moving to theater and I was like, no way a fucking Tomcat could, could take off an S, you know, 50U felon. But did you know that the Tomcat's top speed is Mach 2.34 and the S50U felon's top speed is Mach 2? So it could have fucking worked. It could have worked. Now, you ran out of missiles and, and stuff. You would have been shot down of the sky. You know, you had no support. It's yeah, You also can't fucking survive being shot at by an M117 hind helicopter behind a fucking tree. Okay. Not, not, you're not surviving that. Nor okay. are you surviving a crash at Mach 10.2. There's nothing left of you. There's, there's nothing left. Yeah. I, I yeah, but again, this is why it's a movie, not a documentary. But anyway, spoilers. Uh, very interesting theory, worth the read because a lot of them you're like, yeah, got some Piss. legs. Shoot, shoot, but, shoot it to me. Shoot it to me. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a read. I'll give it a read. But, all right. What? Uh, like- game on. Game on. No spoilers yes. for that. Spoilers right. are over. Tim, I'm taking my start victory us off. Lap. Yeah, I'm gonna take my victory lap with and open yeah. my beer uh, here just, first because I was. Going. I was very right, not just a little right, but, uh, all right. You were, you were. So, uh, I've had Skygazer on the program before, but I think it was a Berliner and there was uh, maybe one other crazy one. I think that it was like some strawberry shortcake. I remember, I remember the, the can looked, um, inappropriate. Suspiciously like a female anatomy. Yes, 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 yes. Uh, but I knew that they were known for some of their IPAs, uh, when, Campus was open. It was pretty close to Skygaze. There's plenty of folks who were all up on it. And I never got a chance to try it because it's one of those that sold out almost immediately. But thanks to COVID, the 
the distro ferry keeps delivering and i and i ended up finding uh finding one uh local here so they have a like everybody they have a a, a line where they modify and change a little bit of the hop recipe every single time it's called the 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 traveler series um and it's set and it's got like this whole story behind it where it's like this futuristic thing it's a it's a whole gimmick but i mean here's what it is uh and each can tells like a little bit more of the story so this is uh traveler series uh channel four is what this one's called and it's a double ipa 8.4 percent el dorado uh azica and columbus um sorry this is chapter four beacon and it's the year 3022 uh <laughs> i won't read it to you um but it's it's on there uh, I'm raw dog in this one because I forgot a glass in the other room. So we're going straight off the can. We're going to let it air out a little bit and then we'll, we'll give it a shot. I have a little glass here. I'll pour some in just to get, just to get a little a whiff, if you will. Uh, it smells very sweet. Very, very sweet. Like, like vanilla and orange juice, do we take? Little like, Vanilla uh, and orange juice. Like a little hop. A little hop sort of organic, like more, not floral, but sort of like a grass clipping kind of. This is, I think this is the closest I've ever sounded like an actual beer reviewee. Stop. Um, yeah, smells great. Smells like summer. Um, but let's give it a shot. Smells like summer. It feels like summer. Friggin' 90 plus out there all the time now. What is this? Yeah, right. Hmm. Okay. Um, I would. We're always careful not to offend anybody. We don't want to burn any bridges. But uh, there isn't really. You're going to say you've had better. Well, there isn't anything in here that kind of that that stands out over any other flavor. It's like a muddling of like various IPAs. It's kind of blended into one. Um, like right off the bat, it tastes a little bit kind of watered down. If I'm being honest. Especially for like an 8.4 beer. But then what comes through is like full bitterness. You get like straight, not full West Coast style IPA, but like a mouth of, of that like bitter hot flavor to it. Um, overall, it's not, it's not bad, but I don't... This is one of those beers where I went into it with no expectations and didn't know what to pull from it. Like I didn't look at any untapped ratings or anything I saw. I was like, yeah, let's give this a try. Um, I mean, it's it's not a beer I would I would turn down. I wouldn't say it's a, like a bad beer, but in terms of double IPAs, I would put this, you know, it's it's a, a decent average beer. Like I would expect this to come from, you know, kind of like a small brewery like they are. Uh, I'm going to give it like a 3.8. 3.8, yeah. The three eight for a small average beer. You are sounding more and more like me every day, sir, and I love it. No, I mean, uh, like it's, I've, it's I've had maybe plenty we'll start of. Uh, get up some I, of my uh, atrociously bad movie takes too. I have a. Uh, it's like I've I've had plenty of 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 better double IPAs, and this is one that, like, right off the bat, you almost get like the smell of it makes you think you're going to get this like sweet citrusy, uh, New England like what we're used to these days. And we get it's like almost a completely muted taste and then just a mouthful of of bitter that kind of like hangs out a little bit. But it's all got this kind of washed out, watered down sort of flavor to it, which 
you know, it, I, I would say it might serve you better on like a really hot day, but that bitter punch is probably a little too much when it's, you know, Satan's taint hot outside. So, yeah, well, you know, I gotta say the uh, the best beer choice to drink when it's this hot out is a Hell's Lager, which is what I'm drinking. Okay, mm. uh, it's called Short Sands from Fort George Beer Co. out of Astoria, Oregon, only distributed in the Pacific Northwest, right? So, uh, yes, I did happen to stow a few things in my suitcase when I came back from Seattle mm-hmm. for work. And let me tell you, shoes, great place to, to shove a 16-ounce can. Optimal padding. <laughs> as long as you put it in a bag, you know, if, if it breaks in flight, you're fine. Uh, but it, like, you, like you were saying, Tim, it has been stupid hot the past few days. I mean, this is yeah. typical for Virginia, but now we're getting Connecticut weather, which I blame on you. So uh, nice <laughs> and refreshing 4.9% here. Here we go. Mm. Oh, yeah. I, I'm a huge fan of Hellas Lagers and Colches now, uh, mostly because it is so hot, and these are just eminently drinkable and crushable. It's so refreshing. <laughs> and whatever I can put in a Budweiser commercial. But no, they they are very light in body, um, and you can have about five or six of them at 4%. At a cookout, sweat out, sweat out a couple, have another one get canceled out by a hamburger. I'm not even sure that's the way science works. But it does in my mind. So, you know, it's it's pretty good. I'm gonna give this um I'm gonna give this a three eight. Hmm. I'm gonna give it a three eight because I think it's it's good it's good to drink. It's get a little more grainy, I think, than what I was necessarily expecting. Sometimes I'm just not in the mood for that, right? Even though I like rye, like IPAs, love them. I, I know what I'm getting with a rye IPA. Sometimes you get you get a little too much chaff uh, on the Hellas Lager and, and that's what I got this time. So Three eight, not bad, mm. not bad at all. You know, it's funny is I uh, I had in my hand uh, a lager from uh, a local brewery that I was like, oh, this is great. Like they just changed the can design. Uh, it's been a good two and a half, maybe three years since I've had it the last time, and I was like, oh, this is perfect. I'm gonna grab this. And I saw the Skygazer, and then I saw another one that was there. That's a that was a, a triple and. Like a, like the old English style, like older Allagash style tripel. Uh, yeah, I ended up grabbing that, and I was going to do that tonight. But I got too curious the other day and I opened it. It was like eleven percent, twelve ounce can, and it just wasn't wasn't great. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna throw that brewery under the bus. But that one was not great. But I might <laughs> I might do the lager for the next one if I don't do a high life instead. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, you never you never know. All right, let's let's get into this year. Game four and game five of the NBA Finals in the books. Yeah. Um, and the Warriors won both of them, which yep. is not good. Not good. Um, I think going into game four, what, what we talked about on the last pod absolutely came true. The Warriors were pissed. They came out, excuse me, and Steph had a career night. Like 40-plus points, like everything he was he was just chucking up kept going in clay started getting hot draymond didn't foul out scoring some points they were getting some rebounds and the celtics could not get out of their own damn way tatum put them on the milk carton had a few points got early into foul trouble nothing was going down and the team typically ran out of gas and they ended up losing by like you know I think I think just like ten points by the end of it, but it was it was it was pretty pretty solid on from like 
the third into the fourth that like you knew how this game was going to end, right? They they kept yep. getting close, but they just they, for whatever reason they just they just they didn't look themselves. And then in game five, if if game four was like yeah we saw this shit coming, game five was we did not see that shit coming because if I were to tell you that Steph Curry is like hypothermia cold, can't make a three, has never played in a game where he's not made a three since 2018. And they went 0 for 13 to start the game from the threes. You're thinking the Celtics won that game. Well, you will be wrong because a guy named Andrew Wiggins, who was cut by the Warriors twice, has played for four NBA teams and a few G League teams, nine total teams, <laughs> and cut by the, the team he's now playing for in the finals, had a career night, 26 points. They completely left him open. He just did whatever he wanted. Clay started getting hot. Curry couldn't make a single shot from downtown, and they fumbled the bag. They fumbled the bag at yep. home where they lost, where they knew that they were going to come out, that the Warriors going to come out hot, and then they fumbled the bag again in game five on the road. So now they're down 3-2 when they were up 2-1. Could have gone up 3-1 had they won game four, and they have to do what I think is probably the most disheartening way to play a game. Um, you have to stay alive and not get your ass beat and lose the championship on your home court. Like who? Who would want to do that? I wouldn't. Uh, I, I, I watched. I watched both of these games start to finish, and I mean, I've said this. I said this on the last podcast, but the the big thing for me is that as this series goes on, it is actually getting harder and harder to watch basketball as a whole, oh, not just the Celtics. No, no calls. No calls. Then calls for everything. It is, uh, like, I, I, I stand by this 100%. I could poll 100 people, and I don't think we would get a general consensus anywhere near probably 70%, I think, on any one of these things. Nobody knows what a call is anymore. I mean, nobody knows what a foul is anymore. Nobody knows, it's like, offensive or defensive. It's just a disaster, and... I don't want to make it sound like I'm shitting on the referees because I, I don't know how you, in real time, that's the problem, in real time, make a lot of these calls. They're so big. They're so strong. But Jesus Christ, the, like, I, I, I've seen on several occasions, and, and I'll, I'll be the first to admit that I don't necessarily know the rule book, like, front to back. Like, I just, I just don't. But um, when I see... Clay coming in for a dunk and or, or coming in for a layup, and Marcus Smart is in the pain and, and he's got his hands up, but because his feet move like a second, and Clay looks at him and then runs into him, but because Smart's feet were moving, even though he literally got bowled into like uh, a running back coming through a hole, that's a foul. Yep. Or like on the opposite side of that, there was a, a call where Smart didn't even get touched and he. Uh, quote unquote, exaggerated contact, and they called it a foul. Like it's, this isn't homerism. This is like me clearly identifying that there is a problem with, uh, maybe some of the rules or the level of minute infractions they're calling fouls, which are ultimately game changing decisions. Where it's like you can't help but flop now because. It, it's you have a strategic advantage by doing it, and if you don't, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage. Um, yeah. And like every 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 penalty, like 
I'll say I'll say like ninety eight percent of penalties are uh, fouls called in a game. Sorry, hockey guy. Fouls called in a game result in like uh, whoever committed it throwing their hands up, saying "Wow, what, what?" Encouraging their coach to to maybe consider reviewing it. And anybody on the receiving side that thinks they got fouled does the same thing. It's just it's a mess. It is a total and complete mess. And I don't know what the answer is to it. I I think there needs to be a level of like let him. Did you clearly impact their ability to score? Whether it's a, a three point or a layup or a dunk, did you clearly prevent them from performing that task? Like I know that's a tough ask, and I know that's pretty broad, but I think that's something that needs to be looked into because everybody's taking advantage of it. Even 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 Curry will go up for a three. And we saw where he got, you know, how Horford got a technical because Curry jumped a foot and a half and landed on his foot, and that was a technical. Um, but, like, I don't know, man. The, the game of basketball is so different now than what it was. I'll even say, like, we, 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 we are alive. We've been alive enough to see this transition away from the, like, down and dirty basketball. Not quite, like, I couldn't tell you the Larry Bird days or, or even the tail end of that era, but like Jordan and those guys. And we saw what Pippen and, and Dennis Rodman, who I think is who green is, you know, trying to be a knockoff version of. We saw a lot of that and what that meant and how they played where it was, it was rough. You got banged up, you got in there, but it's come so far the opposite direction and everybody shoots a, a three pointer now. Like that's literally it. You can have an amazing layup and, or like, let's, let's, Let's say you have like a highlight reel alley-oop, right? Like posterize somebody, the whole works. It's amazing. I actually don't give a shit because I know as soon as the other team gets the ball, they're going to go down and they're going to put up three points and completely negate everything you just did and go up a point. So like it's, it's just become a product that is, is brutally unwatchable. And then we put so much pressure on guys like Tatum to help carry a team that when he's not out there sinking and the pressure is there to sink, Every three pointer that you have to try and keep up with Clay and Steph and, and Draymond when he tries to put them up, and now we have Wiggins that we have to be concerned about. Everybody's just throwing up three pointers all over the place, and you can only I mean, you could shoot 40%, but if you take 20 shots, like that's a significant amount of points you're putting on the board. We've yeah. seen guys come off of our bench and maybe make four three pointers in a game, but that's 12 points that is that is we massive like, swing some of these games have been won or lost by that i mean talking about uh uh game four they lost by 10 points and they just disappeared in the fourth quarter they scored 19 points that is on unheard of but it was it was a game where like tatum still shot 50 percent. he still had 20 points but it's like that's not enough like, we require so much of our superstars now because we need them. I mean, he, he made over half of the three-point attempts that he took, but they're, they're defending against him extremely well. Now, is he performing maybe not up to his peak? Potentially, but some of that very well maybe by design because the defensive schemes they're putting up there are meant to take him out of it and force guys like Brown and Smart and, and Horford and and uh and, and like Robbie Williams and, Williams. and White to yep. step up and, and make plays and and for the most part they've been doing that. But you're you're going up against what is the equivalent of the Monstars where 
most folks on that team can put up like Porter can, you know, he's capable of putting up threes, but he can also get a little messy Eight. in the, yep. in, in the middle a little bit. So it's, it, it's, it's really tough. I think the matchups are brutal. If you can neutralize Tatum, nobody, I mean, I would say Brown is probably the next, next most consistent player. Smart probably follows, but like, I still don't feel comfortable every time Horford takes a three point shot. It still looks and feels awkward to me. Yeah, it uh, does. He's he got that. He has the claw shot, and like you know, he's got the hand on top, and it's slow. And, the hand, and yeah, and and he just, yeah, yeah. So it's, uh, I don't know. I, I had, I had some, but it works, right? When it, it does I mean, work. Yeah, I mean, it 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 does work sometimes. What do you? I think he had uh two. He went two or three. I think for three pointers. Mm-hmm. So like, again, that's that's six points or or you know a potentially nine point uh, gamble, if you will. But like. Tatum made five and I don't know it's it's weird it's kind of basketball is in a strange place where I find myself getting less and less interested even as this series goes on even as like a casual Celtics fan I know there's folks out there who are gonna hate that take but if you could tell me what you're watching now is an entertaining product in in terms of like overall viewership experience versus if you just like guys who can make threes I mean that's great more more power to you I appreciate it, but what's happening is we're we're driving out folks like like there are only so many Giannis and LeBron and and a lot of these big guys. There's only so many of those out there. I think left because everything is becoming go down, run a screen, shooting off the off the back foot three, and 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 hopefully it'll go in if you you know if you're decent, and then. Get it to somebody else who might also maybe be able to 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 do the same kind of thing. It's just go down, quick transition, pick, shoot. Okay, you missed that one. They go down and they they you know put a layup. They get two points. You go back down. You try it again. You score. Okay, you're still up a point. Like the amount of shots that you can miss and still lead a game because you're just playing the percentage, which is all this is. This is this is the basketball equivalent to Moneyball. It's it's exactly what it is. So. I mean, 10 three-pointers is drastically different than, you know, 10 layups or, or, or 10 fadeaways from in the paint. It's just that it's, it's a big difference between the two of them. So I don't, I don't know. Tatum, I don't think this is a question. I, I do think he's playing with some sort of undisclosed something that's going on. He's, he feels and seems different than he did during the Heat series where you're like, oh, shit, this guy's uh, this is for real. How much of that is... Um, by design on the Warriors' end, how much of that could be potentially some underlying issue? But I, I had said going into this game, like, did I think, did, did I genuinely think the the Celtics are going to win? Yeah, I still think they have a, a a solid chance to win it. But anybody on that bench, like, I just picture Golden State's practice where everybody's just shooting threes all the time. Yeah, and Draymond's just but, standing there pushing everybody around. Yeah, I mean, probably, but it's it's helping them in the game because. One yeah. thing that the Warriors are doing really great at that the Celtics are not doing right now is switching. Mm-hmm. They they're able like they and turnovers. He's not really having a great night. Steph Steph's doing a little bit of carrying. You know what I mean? It like this is this scary. The scary thing for me is that like Draymond's fouled out for the most part in this series more than he scored points, and Iggy is not healthy. Yep, and they're still toying with the Celtics. Right? They're just able to catch fire and then you get like a unbel- like a historically cold off night for Steph and you can't capitalize that that does not look good when you have to 
stop them from winning a championship in your home court, right? Yeah. So you have to pretty much, you know, give it your all. And then you got to go on the road in game seven and try yeah. and win a game in Oakland. Uh, you know, so it, it's just going to be difficult to do. Um, I, 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 of course, I think, I think the Celtics, the game is tomorrow night. I think the Celtics could, could squeak out that one. Yeah. I, I think they could. But I, I think, think right now, if I was leaning, you know, if I was actually going to be a, be a betting person, the deeper this goes into the series, the worse it gets for the Celtics. Um, because should they make it to seven, they're, they're going to be super tired. They played the most basketball in this postseason. You know what I mean? Yeah. Going to six and seven in consecutive series plus six right now. Um, and it's going to have to go to seven for them to, to be able to win. So it's brutal. It's, it's really brutal, man. And th- there's going to be a lot that they can learn from this. And I hope one of the big takeaways, should they not win tomorrow night, is we need to get faster. We need more options. We need people who can knock down shots from wherever. And we need a lot more. I'm not saying that you know there's not enough two-way players, but we need another Marcus Smart type player mm-hmm. who is down to, to do the heavy lifting um, and is an aggressive player, defensive player of the year, prototype kind of guy, and can make shots when it counts. Because that's that's what I think that's what the Celtics are honestly missing right now. The way Smart has locked up Curry, Clay, everyone else that he's been like rolled onto in transition, he's he's done really well, right? For the most part, mm-hmm. he's he's limited them. That's what you're supposed to do. But he cannot do that by himself. Forty eight minutes a game, six games, seven games in a row. It's not sustainable. Not at not this like maybe in the earlier part of the playoffs, but you're at the you're in the finals. You can't you yep. can't be trusted to do that all the time. I wouldn't put that on him, right? There are great players. He's a great player, but I would not put that on him to be like, hey, um, stop Steph from having a night. Yeah, every night, every night, every night until you know <laughs> he stops I playing mean, basketball. Like that's, that's definitely a, a tall order for I think anybody that is tasked to that someone who's done a, a much better job at that than I was expecting uh, was. Al Horford, a couple games ago, he mm-hmm. was put on Curry, and, and surprisingly enough, he did make some pretty good stops, at least put enough pressure on him to give him some uncomfortable looks. But for me, that like the, the the biggest thing that they need to work on, and like immediately, otherwise they're in trouble, is the fact that I think their turnover percentage is something obnoxious, like... Oh my God, they cannot stop turning the ball over. 15%. Like, if we look back from game one till now... uh their lowest turnover percentage was in game one where they won 120 to 108. And that's because their turnover percentage was 11 and a half to, uh, to golden States, 12 and a half. But then for the remainder of the series, 17.1 to 11.2, uh, 15.9 to 10.8. And then 14.1, uh, was the, uh, what game was that? Game four. But, Boston still had 13.8. So, like, even when they were held close, Boston still is in double digits for turnovers. Um, the other night, uh, what was the game? Yeah, last uh, game five. Again, 16.9% of their of their possessions resulted in a turnover. So, like, the it's just completely insane. Or, sorry, it's 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 per 100 plays, not, not per all of it, but it's they average typically 12 plus turnovers every single game to golden states like 
10 or below, give or take, or somewhere, somewhere around then. You are not going to win games if you continue to give chances and the ball to a team that is able to drop three points from literally anywhere on the court. Anywhere that they can get a look at that rim, they are at risk of putting, putting it in. So let's say 15 points, they only put in half of those as threes. That's a huge, huge scoring advantage for for gold for Golden State. Like that's, I mean, what what are you gonna do when you're when you're giving away thirty plus points per game? If you just take care of the ball, stop the turnovers, and you take, let's say, ten points off the board. We're now in plenty of these games. We you know. We won 116 to 100 and we won 120 to 108. But for the most part, other than game two, these have been games that are within a 10 point reach, like 104 to 94 and 107 to 97. It's, it is a couple threes. A couple or, of threes, a couple of five fouls, less turnovers. How about that? Yeah. It's five less turnovers, even what if you aren't think, shooting Jim? threes. If you're, if you're not just on the, the three point game, you're just out there. Just trying to protect the ball, and, and instead of making crazy passes or, or trying to force it, go up and put the ball in the hole. Like two points is better than giving three points to to Golden State. So this is this is one of those where it's such a it, it it's such a clear and easy thing to try to address that it's like a fundamental for anybody who learns how to play. And the fact that you were struggling at the, at at the worst possible moment. Now, some of that has to do with Golden State's defense. Some of it has to do with the constant pressure they're putting on, quick transitions, all that stuff. I understand all of that. But you are giving up free points constantly and consistently yep. every single game. And it's, if, you, if you start taking into consideration the fact that you're also getting out-rebounded every single game, like those two things are just a complete recipe for disaster. And you're not, you're not going to win against anybody, let alone a juggernaut like Golden State. You need a couple more rebounds per game just to keep the ball out of their hands. They need to stop turning the ball over. Like, I don't care if Tatum, you know, plays with his hair on fire and scores 50 points. If you turn the ball over 16 times, it's still going to be a pretty close game, in my opinion. Like, it's, there's a lot that's going into this. There's a lot of takeaway from it. I mean, you know, I sound a little bit like a spoiled New England fan because here they are in the finals and, and they're competing and it's the tied series. I mean, it, we're, we're we're going in down a game, um, but we're still competing. And uh, here I am, you know, just spouting all the negativity for it when I don't think, you know, the under, the books had the Celtics as an underdog. Everybody but ESPN had them as, a, as an underdog, but here we are still with a chance. So um, yeah. I, I will say Vegas is very good. Those odd makers and those bookmakers are pretty good, so maybe maybe there's a little bit more to that. But I think I think if they can go in and take care of the ball, I think they have a uh, a better than fighter's chance to to take this one, as long as they think, they take care of the ball better and they uh, just uh, maybe three more rebounds. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, that's that's something Chelsea, uh, my wife's very very big on. She's like, follow your shot. Get the board. What are you doing? You know what I mean? She's like, she's very, very animated about that. I think the Celtics could win tomorrow night, um, but they're going to have to play the game of their lives. And then I think they're going to have to go into hostile territory and attempt to win a championship on the road. So do I think the Celtics could still do it in seven? I'm going to stick with my original prediction. I'm going to say Celtics in seven. 
but I do think that if they if they do not change some of the like the things that have plagued them over the last couple of games, and I hope maybe that that was what they did was they got all the turnovers out, you know, and yeah. and the bakery's been shut down, the Russell Wilson turnover factory has been shut down there in Boston, right? Like I let's just let's just hope that they come out tomorrow night, they actually really try and lead, and you know Curry can't stay cold forever. It just it's not gonna happen. One of these games, both Curry and Clay are gonna be on fire and you're gonna get buried. Um, and then the energy will just drain. And I, I don't want that to happen, right? It's the last game of the series that's in the garden. You don't want that to happen. You, like it's the finals, but you don't want people to be leaving early because you get blown the fuck out with yep. six minutes to go, right? No one wants that. We want we want the the best best uh you know basketball forward, sending all the good vibes, not really believe in that, I'm not in the healing crystals, but if I was, I'd be Amazon priming them to the garden. <laughs> get it done. Win game six tomorrow. Agreed. And we're not even in football season yet, but the amount of hot takes that apparently all these traded wide receivers have uh, this past offseason is comical, mm-hmm. quizzical, mm-hmm. mythical. All right, I'm going to use those three. The three O's there, if you will. They're not they're not well known. Uh, the first one, comical. Tyreek Hill says that uh, Tua Tungavaloa is more accurate than Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, he mentioned it on his own podcast, the first episode of his own podcast, because everyone has a podcast now. I mean, cool. Draymond has his podcast. He does like you know pretty much after the game's over. I get it. Athletes want to tell their story. I'm all about that. Do not start. Season one, episode one of your podcast, slandering a Super Bowl MVP, an NFL MVP, a 50 touchdown tosser in a season. Um, and apparently he forgot about that time where he called Wasp to get down in the Super Bowl and catch a score. Did you forget that? Like mm-hmm. for him to say that Tua is more accurate than 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 Patrick is insane. Pat Mahomes just pretty much just he's got that Rogers wrist flick. The yeah. only difference is it goes like 60 yards. Yeah, it may not hit you direct in the breadbasket, but you know what? He put it. He, he right throws the three quarters way down the field. Yeah. Like you have plenty of time to go catch the ball and like make it up in the air. Tua, for the most part, has been running for his life, and he came from a system in Alabama in which, if there wasn't outright protection and the route didn't set up, he just didn't make it. He, mm-hmm. He's overthrown some people. He's like, it, like that's like saying Tua or Josh Allen, who's more accurate? Well. Josh Allen has the whole Twitter thread of like people saying that he's missing you know, receivers or hitting people <laughs> in the stands. Like, okay, uh, that one I'll give you. Patrick Mahomes, most valuable player, not most accurate. Mm, nah, I don't really believe that. Um, it's it's weird to me because had Mahomes not made that throw in the Super Bowl and Jimmy G had made that throw, right? Then the Niners win that Super Bowl, but that didn't happen, right? Because Mahomes brought them back. And then, you, of course, you could say a knock when they lost to the Buccaneers is that he was just throwing it all over the place. But yeah. the Buccaneers had a fantastic defense, and no routes were open. And Pat was still out there trying to throw every single which way to get the ball in the field. Like, why does every wide receiver now have Antonio Brown-level hot takes and on podcasts? I don't get it. I really don't. Uh, <clears throat> well, interesting. While you're uh, pontificating... I happen to uh, visit my 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 frequent and favorite pro football reference, which if you mm-hmm. have not gone to check it out and you like diving into statistics and whatnot, that really, you know, obviously we 
we we don't this is a scenario where we we put stock or we don't put stock in it but it might be worth the conversation because Tua has played for two seasons right and in those two seasons he had a total of 23 games uh his completion percentage is 66.2 percent okay i'm not saying Sammy, you're really about to wait, tell me that wait that, wait that wait two, wait wait two wait, years wait, wait, when he didn't play a full season because his hip was separated and he had all kinds of hip issues you're going to tell me the smaller sample size versus what pat mahomes probably that's, like what like 65 that's, that's what i'm saying there's there's a a conversation to have about it not that he's right or wrong but i didn't realize they were as close as what this is, uh, because they're not close. Mahomes has played for more seasons. No, that no, I'm, I'm, go I'm just, next, I'm next just comparing. I'm right just now. comparing 2020 and 2021. To be fair, I'm just comparing those two. Uh, Mahomes is a, a exactly 66.3 in both of those scenarios. Okay, uh, but when you start peeling back the onions you start seeing where the differences take place. So, again, I'm not agreeing with anybody. I actually think it's absurd. But at cursory glance, if you just looked at the completion percentage, which is probably what uh, our boy was doing, the completion percentage was technically higher over the last two seasons, but there was 10 games and 13 games. So that doesn't obviously translate to a 15-game and 17-game series. I mean, you can usually take a handful of games and extrapolate that out, and it's probably somewhat similar because Mahomes is shockingly similar in all of his seasons. 62.9, 66, 65.9, 66.3, 66.3. So, he's consistent, if nothing else, in terms of like what he does. Uh, Tua is 64.1 and 67.8, so he's higher in those two, but obviously, like you said, smaller size, but generally on average you can extrapolate that out as we could just tell with that but touchdowns is the biggest biggest differentiator because in 2020 uh Tua had 11 touchdowns and uh Mahomes had 38 and then in 2021 where he played more games he had 16 and Mahomes had 37 so I, I just don't I don't get it right yeah like you say this shit on a podcast and then you and your agent come out and say you had plans you asked like for the team to like get you more involved in those plans the team didn't want to do it yeah uh no no I don't I don't I don't see that and then well he didn't complain the entire time he was there he is going to a brand new team and he drops this kind of content okay all yeah. right I I got I got thoughts about that but that's not the only one Tim. Now we got these other former Ravens wide receivers, right? Marquise yeah. Brown is now with uh, with the Cardinals, and Willie Sneed went on the I Am Athlete podcast, and they pretty much just drag Greg Roman's offense. They said that the Raven system doesn't favor wide receivers. Uh, Warren Sharp at Sharp Football put together like a two minute clip of Hollywood yeah. Brown dropping perfectly thrown balls yep. from Lamar Jackson, and I know yep. that there's been a lot of talk about. Lamar Jackson, is he a running back? Is he a quarterback? Like, what's he doing? He is a different type of quarterback. He's he's playing the game in his own unique way. But when that dude needs to sling it, he can fucking sling it, right? So, like, for you to go on a podcast and be like, 
this is why the Ravens draft two wide receivers every year because like, you know, people get fed up like, no, I no, I, I'm not, I'm not making the connection there, boss. I'm not, I'm not really seeing what you're saying there. Like you have a lot of drops, like where you had a step or two on the, on the DB or you had a few steps to get into the end zone and you just needed to maybe lay out a little bit. I, it's easy to look at like a two minute clip of like, you know, all of your worst mistakes and just say small sample size. Like I just did with Tua at the same time. There have been so many plays like in the first like few seasons with the Ravens where you're just like, wow, I understand now why he peppers the running backs and Mark mm-hmm. Andrews with targets. Because every time he throws it to a wide receiver, they're allergic to it. it yep. Like, it, I, I just don't get it. I just yeah. don't. I just don't get it. Yeah. I, uh, I mean, I think a lot of it is there's, there's a lot of brain building that goes around all the professional sports right now. And I think this is, I I think this is what some of this is like, you know, using your podcast analogy as an example, like if, if they are truly running and operating a podcast, what better way to get people involved and start delivering some hot takes? Maybe that's what we should start doing is just start talking all kinds of crazy nonsense just to get people to chime in and, and tell us that we're, that we're wrong. Some of it is obviously, I think a little bit of, um, maybe gamesmanship and maybe some of it is to help kind of buy some favor of your new team, right? If you're willing to go out and say, Hey, I was previously. So let's say, let's say you go in and and you're playing with Tua, right? Tua is going to have sort of the, the elephant in the room that you are coming from a team that has arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks that's, that's played, right? It's, it's, we have to see, some more longevity and how long he can hold it up and, and how consistent this is over time. But for right now, uh, he has taken the, the model that was started by McNabb and, and Vic and sort of extended by Lamar and all these guys and, and is really showing that you can be successful, that we just got to see that there's longevity to it. Otherwise, you're going to end up in the same boat that they are in relative obscurity after eight years, 10 years, whatever. Um, but if you're coming into a new team and everybody knows that it's the best analogy is this. If, if, if you are like a, a average looking dude and you get uh, a girlfriend who is, uh, you know, a beautiful girlfriend, but you know that their <laughs> old boyfriend was a model, you're going to feel insecure. And what's the best way for her to make you feel good? Start talking shit about how shitty of a boyfriend he was or what his shortcomings were. And that's going to help you feel more confident that like, Oh, she's here because I'm clearly a better fit. And I think as silly as that sounds, I think that's what this is. Like he knows coming into this, Tua's gotta say, Oh shit, well this guy's usually this guy's used to playing with uh top tier talent. I don't know if I'm gonna live up to those expectations. And you're yeah, gonna feel but- intimidated by that. And then he comes out and starts talking shit about how you're better than another guy. The confidence boost that you must walk around with, you must walk around with like your chest out and a raging heart on all the time now because you just got told you were better than Patrick Mahomes. Like, what the hell is that? That's obviously it's gonna be great. Outside looking it's in, gonna we be all know that so, that's not right. But it's gonna be so great when um, Juju Smith-Schuster has more touchdowns than Tyreek Hill about seven weeks into the fantasy season. So yeah, you know, buy low. It's all I'm gonna say there. But if yeah. we talk about hot takes, Tim, let's not forget Devontae Adams um, mm. signed in, you know a new contract with the Raiders. Shout out to AJ Grant. Um, And he talked about the frankness of wanting to leave Green Bay. 
He's like, if, if there's a possibility of Aaron not going to be here, I don't want to be here. Yeah. Which, what a shot <laughs> against against that organization. But then he took it one, you know, one step further and he said, you know, in terms of talent and ability between Rodgers and Carr, it's really similar from keeping it real. Um, Blinking eyes, Jeff. Yeah. Excuse me, what? Should, like, should, what? should we do? We'll, we'll do the quick comparison as well. Yeah, just, yeah. Br- bring it up. Say. Bring it up. I, I don't. I don't think the numbers there whatsoever. But I, I, I do think. I do think there is there's a kernel of truth somewhere down there. Mm-hmm. Devonte Adams and Derek Carr played at Fresno State. The two of them have, and I didn't say Tua. The two of them. The two of them. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Uh, have have a real good chemistry, a good connection, right? And I would say that Rodgers and Adams had something similar, um, you know, in Green Bay. Do I think that Derek Carr's arm talent is close to Aaron Rodgers? No. No. I don't. Do I think he has the ability to play at quarterback at a high level? Yes. So I, I think I think, yeah. I think we're, we're, you know, taking the, the quote out of context there a little bit. If I had to rank them, I'm still going Rodgers 1, Carr 2. Right, if if those are the two I have to pick between, but uh, yeah, this is where you you give me the the numbers and tell me that you know, Carr is <laughs> a ninety four percent completion rate. No, but I mean, which which crazy? I think this goes to speak to the level. You know, everybody likes to look at their team and and sort of shit all over a quarterback or whoever their their star is that's not living up to expectations. If you're you're losing, but I think a lot of what we see when we start looking into some of this stuff is that. Maybe it's not necessarily always the quarterback that's the problem. They're doing, they're attempting to do their part. It's just you know the team around them is kind of questionable. I think Derek Carr, over the last few years, has has kind of had a little bit of a, a I don't want to say a resurgence, but he's he's definitely been um, in the conversation more frequently later on in the postseason about you know quality of play. I think he had plenty of games given how much drama they've had over the last two years. I think from from his perspective and what he's been able to do on that team has been pretty impressive. The The problem is you can compare some of the numbers all you want, but what you can't really differentiate in terms of like, or try to say that they're similar, is the consistency of someone like Aaron Rodgers. That man is, <laughs> he has been 13-3 and three the last three years in a row. And... Derek so Carr has kind of like bounced back and forth, but I mean, Derek Carr has been in the league since 2014 and this is, so anybody who's wondering where our, uh, the podcast name comes from, this may be a good episode to kind of call out because this is one of those comparisons where you start looking at statistics and you have to say that like there are different intangibles other than the stats that we pay attention to. It's the LeBron versus MJ and where's Kobe in that mix? Like there's, there's lots of those where you can look statistically, but there's more to that story than, than what it is. I think stats help paint a picture, but they don't tell the whole story. This is one of those that if we're just comparing career baseline numbers from one to one, completion percentages, they're separated by 0. 0.3%. 65.3 to 65. Um, touchdowns, obviously, it, you can't compare the two of them because Aaron's been in the league for, you know. It's, it's a five. He he's he's played uh, 206 games to Derek's six uh, 127 games. So it's not. But if we look at just like percentage, wow, Derek Carr's played 127 games. Uh, yeah, 127 games. 
Wow. Why did I think? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, you know what? Maybe this isn't. Maybe this is mythical. Maybe this isn't so bad. Maybe. Maybe maybe it's not really a hot take after all. I'm coming around. Uh, on this. Uh, I mean, it's 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 a yeah, it's a little bit of a hot take. Um, not as well, bad of a actually, hot take. No, as, listen, you know, listen. Two of kinda... Mahomes. This is the one that is a little bit... So when you start looking at it, here's where you start to see some, some of the differentiators. So in terms of touchdown percentages, which is uh, the percent of touchdowns thrown when attempting to pass like at least 14 times in a scheduled game, uh, is 6.3% for, for Rodgers. Okay. And 4.3% for a car. So there's a, again, these are career stats though. So it got to take into account there's, you know, a lot, while not 100 more games, close to 100 more games. But if we look over the last, uh, I'm going to just, the last five seasons, I'm going to say, uh, for, for Rodgers, it was 7%, 9.1%, 4.6, 4.2, 6.7. For a car, and last year, I thought he had a pretty good year. It was 3.7, 5.2, 4.1, 3.4. So there's some, some differences there. He does have more interceptions, uh, or he has pretty close to the same amount of total interceptions in since 2004 until now as, as Rodgers has his entire career. Carr has 85. Yeah, that, to, that's, I think that's the one knock against him, right, is that um, where Aaron can place the ball wherever he wants. Usually it's his receiver that gets it or no one at all. Whereas yeah. Carr, there's always a couple of those like head scratching picks. Like uh, you're a gunslinger. I get it. Yeah. So nah, but, I wouldn't have thrown that there. But the interception percentage is 1.3 for Rogers to 1.9 for Carr. So like if you break it down like per attempt and all that, I don't know. It's, it's kind of interesting when you start digging into some of these. Is a lot you, you can in see interception percentage, I would think. So you can, yeah, so you can see like where these things start to sort of differentiate a little bit. But I, I genuinely think like if you were to, again, extrapolate this over the same amount of time, you would start seeing more similarities, I think, than we would see, than we would expect. But I, I think the consistency is where Rodgers kind of separates himself because he is year in and year out just drastically better. Uh, Derek Carr has a losing record. Overall, he's 57 for 70. And Rodgers, again, for, you know, his... Yeah, it is. He's had... Th these are his last five seasons. So he went 6-9, and 4-12, and 7-9, and 8-8, and, eight and 10-7. and seven. So he's on the right track. Trajectory, yeah. he's always... He's only had uh, one... Two winning season, one 500 season, the rest have all been losing seasons. So... Do you blame coaching? Do you blame staffing? What do you, I mean, there are things you can look at there. Do you blame the mascara it looks like he wears? But uh, Aaron Rodgers is 139 <laughs> to 66. So Aaron Rodgers yeah. in his entire career, spanning from 2005, uh, he played a couple games in 2005, but let's say 2008 and beyond. Yeah. He has still lost less games than Derek Carr has since 2014. Yeah, it's, it's not a good look. So... No, so, that's 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 uh, really good there. Yeah, it's 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 not it's not an accurate comparison, and it's it's just wrong. Now, you, if you're if you're taking Aaron Rodgers' age into consideration, what happens or what your speculation is as time goes on? Maybe because you start to see a little bit of a dip in 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 some areas, but still, for the most part, 
Like, he only threw seven touchdowns last season. He threw... Nah, uh, no, sorry, that's way off. 30, 37 touchdowns last season. Um, and 48 the season before. But, like, you're, you are starting to see in the seasons where they're not crushing everybody a, a, a slower decline. But for the most part, he's still outpacing Derek Carr drastically. So Yeah, and I, I think he'll continue to. But I, I think in, in the scenario in which there is a quarterback downgrade, mm-hmm. right, with, with uh, Tyreek and yeah. Tua and Mahomes, I think there's a downgrade, too, from Rodgers to Carr, but I think it positively benefits Adams because he's the unquestioned, like, number one wide receiver, right? Hunter Renfro is going to get his looks. Um, my spacing on the tight end's name, I should have known because I saw him on Hard Knocks. Oh my goodness! As it'll come to me, but uh, there's like there's like three or four good like tight ends in the league right now, and the Raiders' tight end is one of them. And and he when he's healthy, he just catches everything thrown to him. So like I think I think that's that's a part where like the quarterback downgrade may be like a little beneficial. But mm-hmm. we're talking about quarterback downgrades. We got to talk about Scary Terry, and uh, he's Terry McLaurin has not shown up to Commanders football activities. Ron Rivera said, we're not trading him. Even though he wants a new contract, he's going to get traded. That's that's what I'm thinking there. Uh, there's just too much heat around that team right now, and Terry has done everything that that team has asked of him, and I feel really bad because I feel like they're going to just try and move him and get the, the draft capital where they can. Yeah. Um, he should have already been given a new contract. He shouldn't have to hold out. Like That dude does everything for your team. So mm-hmm. I'm a little, little confused or puzzled as to why uh, the commanders can find you know revenue to hide off the books, but they can't pay their players. It just <laughs> well, it's probably seems a little because, weird to me. It's probably because they're underneath the world's biggest microscope right now versus some yep. of the other teams. Yep. But they sure um, are. They sure they, are. They they like you know took out a second mortgage on the farm to bring in Carson Wentz with a lot of what they got going on, and uh, and you know Tyler. Uh, our Taylor Henneke is is now you know kind of up in the air a little bit. He thinks he doesn't have a chance at the quarterback position because of everything they gave up for Carson Wentz. Um, I mean, they gave away multiple draft picks. So I did say over the last two seasons, I thought Wentz was maybe given an unfair shake. I thought he was playing at a higher level than what he was given credit for. I don't know if the Commanders is quite the perfect landing spot for him. I think, but if he if he doesn't have Scary Terry, then I think you I think your statement about him not having things like set up to go his way I think makes a lot more sense. And I yeah. and I think for, even for me, like a like a hate 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 you know kind of guy, I might be like, yeah, once I got nobody, you know, and yeah, I, and I, I think Doxon is over there. I, I think you know they've they've got the um, the tight end from the NFL's international program. They have, they have an up and coming defense. They got Antonio Gibson, JD McKissick. You know, like they've, they've got some mm-hmm. players. They've they got some things they can do. But like, this is your number one guy. He doesn't show up. And if you're listening to Kalen Metcalf, <laughs> rehabbing from your foot injury in LA, you know, putting on Instagram your playing cards with Russell Wilson and eating bags of candy and having one cup of coffee and some water a day, uh, rest up. Don't take any phone calls from any number you don't recognize. And if Russ like wants you to come to Denver, just say no, bro. Because you need I need you to be the savior of Seattle. So putting the good vibes out there. Again, I don't believe in crystals or healing energies, but uh, the Gaelic, don't do it. <laughs> what do, what do I do with my jersey when he leaves though? I know, right? 
Oh, whoa, 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 Kim, why are you you speaking that to existence? We can't, we can't, no, we can't be doing that. All right. Well, I mean, you know Um, he's going to go to the Patriots. Oh, my God. To imagine. Oh, my God. No, I would, I would combust. I would spontaneously so combust. The, 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 sure. I would say I, I'm liking a lot of the news that's coming out from the, the Patriots side of the world because uh, the early grumblings or Jones looks to be in, like, phenomenal shape and even better than he was. And I've even seen stories come out re- from, like, multiple publications that said, you know, we think we undervalued Mac Jones last season and just how good he was given the circumstances. And I... I can't help but agree a little bit because we know the Patriots franchise is a notoriously difficult one to kind of adhere to, right, with everything they got going on. We're seeing a little bit of a new look post-Brady where it seems like they're kind of loosening up a little bit, but still, we know it's a tough organization. The, the, the game plans and the and the, uh, planning they come up with is next level, which is why they're at success. I, I don't give a fuck anybody who's like, I don't think cheat. No. They win, so people are looking to find excuses to like any any single league. It doesn't matter who it is. If someone has sustained success, you you find reasons and, and whatnot. Whatever. Mac Jones, what he did last year, in my eyes, is a rookie quarterback and one of the no- most notoriously strict and difficult uh, teams to play on, compared to what a, a Cameron Newton did. The season before is drastically it, it's it, very very impressive and if if some of the early grumblings are that he improved i'm all for it now i don't know how much stock i'm going to put into this but a julian edelman dangled a little teaser the other day about a potential return like you know he's big in his social media game i know he's on tv he's doing a lot of things i think he's probably big into his own self-promotion and selling that for you know NFTs or whatever Tom Brady's doing because postseason, I mean, post football, Julian Edelman's a a gold mine. But uh, one of the things that they're missing is like a deep threat and and a go to. Like they just are. They don't have either one of those. Like Edelman's gone, Gronkowski's gone. They've they've got folks that they've kind of like fit in and has given them success but there is no deep threat there is nobody that you have to game plan around necessarily everybody you know they they played well enough that you had to kind of follow a routine game plan where you're either playing zone or you know, you know but there's nobody that you're like oh shit we have to double that guy which is going to leave someone in the middle open or you have like an, an under route or like you know there's there's lots of that game plan that's missing because you don't have that deep threat but could you imagine if they got them someone that could do that, and you got to see a little bit of that flourish. I don't know if Joe, if, if Edelman, I don't think Edelman's coming back. I'm gonna put that on 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 record. Yeah. However, if they went very unpatriot like and they went out and they got someone big like the Randy Moss, the Randy Moss era, era, Dickie Metcalf, buddy. Oh no 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 no! It's a lot. It's Let's, a lot, uh... it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a lot like Denver, but you know, not landlocked. So. Oh, God. Anyways, last thing I got to say about Diva wide receivers, A.J. Brown firing back at people on Twitter mm. saying he's the best wide receiver the Titans have ever had. CBS Sports put up a quick meme and found out he was like 19th in total touchdown percentage and recept. Like, all right, dude, there's there's being completely confident in your skills. Yep. And then there's just giving into the Twitter trolls, right? So it is, It's not even the Twitter trolls. Everything these days, everything, no matter what you see, is self-emotion and marketing, 100%.
Like, for every one of those you see where you're like, this doesn't make any fucking sense, it probably is followed by, like, an ad post that you're, like, sponsored by, right? Like, Tom Brady has perfected that to the point where, like, you have to question every post he makes, and you're like, the fucking real? Is that not real? Like, he waited until the match <laughs> to admit that the shot he took, which, I'll, I mean, the internet, I'll, I'll basically call it out, but saying that the shot he took with the drone footage was, was fake. And he had to come out and be like, listen, we're just, we're just trying to make entertaining shit for folks. That's, that, at the end of the day, that's what it is. And it, it worked, like, for everybody. Whether you were for it or against it, you watched it, you probably watched it multiple times. So, everybody is in the game of independent marketing i don't give a shit who you are because there's money in it so every one of these hot takes these guys drop are clicks that they're getting like bad publicity is still publicity bad clicks and and people coming to troll on your page if you have the ability to just shut that off and disconnect is still traffic coming to your page that you can then turn into revenue so it's still a thing you're in the news you're 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 in those cycles so I expect that it's only going to get more aggressive over time than now. Uh, and it's something, it's, it's like here to stay. Like self-promotion, self-advertising, bullshit hot takes because we live in the TikTok era where nothing actually matters anymore. So you'll see more of it before we see less of it, 100%. Well, let's, uh, let's, let's, let's wind down this episode of yeah. the Sassamere Podcast. Daily Cup's going on right now. Yeah. Give me your predictions. We have Tampa Bay Lightning trying to win their third That's Tampa. Stanley Cup in a row versus the Mahashak Colorado Avalanche. I need I need your hot take. I need it. It's not what even a hot think? take. It's not even a hot take. I said from the first round and the second round. The only team I was concerned about or one of the one of the two teams I was concerned about it was the Habs and the Lightning. And here we are talking about the Lightning still. They are a phenomenal team whose franchise is built for longevity. They made some great acquisitions. They, they've got some great homegrown talent, but their coaching and their just aggressiveness is something that's very difficult to compete with. It's extremely difficult to go back-to-back in the NHL. The fact that they're flirting with it and they are, I don't know, when, when was the last time we had a hockey dynasty, if you will? I couldn't tell you. And, I don't know if you know it, but no, I mean, I, I don't think it's happened since probably the the seventies or the eighties, right? With like either the Kings or maybe the Rangers, way back in the day, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and there there have been a lot of teams who have won one or two Stanley Cups, and it's crazy because we're we're recording it right now. They're going to OT game one. Yeah, three three, beautiful, yep. absolute stunning way to start off the Stanley Cup Finals uh, because in the beginning. Avalanche came out and smacked them right in the mouth. Went up like 2-0. It was 2-1. And then like, then it was 2-2. They went up 3-2. And then, you know, that, that was damn Tampa Bay Lightning just found a way to do uh, it. But yeah, uh, you, you, you do bring up a good point. They, they, they have a ton of depth. They're scary good. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it's, it's like consistently year in and year out. They're just a, a threat at all times, which is funny because I actually remember saying this, I think, last year when we were talking about the nhl playoffs and maybe even the year before that that the two things that i loved the most in terms of of the nhl playoffs and who was winning was that you had the teams that were competing one was from las vegas a desert state and the other one was uh from florida 
And those are the two teams that seem to be that, you know, in their respective towns were some of the biggest threats. The fact that Tampa, a team from Florida, is going on yeah, we- and smoking teams from like cold weather states is, is, is in my opinion, amazing. It kind of shows that there's a, an opportunity for, uh, now, I bet if we dug into the, all the players in the team were probably all from overseas or, or cold weather states or whatnot. But it's still ironic that in the NHL hockey championship, one of the reigning champions and perennial contenders is from Florida. Um, the, I don't like it. I, it, it. You know, being from being from a cold weather state, I don't like it. We we need we need Colorado to win the series just to stop them from being a three P champion. It's the Islanders, actually. The Islanders yeah. in the eighties. Nineteen eighty, eighty one, eighty two, and eighty three. So a dynasty is kind of a funny thing for anybody who doesn't know, is that it doesn't have to be three years in a row. It's like three out of I don't even know what the ratio is, but it's three in a short amount of time. So a lot of these have like maybe a year in between, like like the uh the Islanders do. But I think uh this would be the first one in a long time where they won three years in a row the 60s were the last time and i think it was the maple leaves in uh like 62 63 and 64 like this isn't there are like decades that pass between the last time that this happens uh and when you start getting that old like the leagues are smaller things are a lot different like you want to see some some crazy shit go back and watch like a 1950s hockey game on youtube it's unreal that's where the jason mask came into play and guys had like sometimes they didn't even wear masks it, it was a different era of tougher men than we have now. <laughs> yeah. This is the, uh, this is the weird thing. So, uh, pensburg.com, you know, a little, um, SB nation blog, right. Mm-hmm. Um, at a poll who you hope win the Stanley cup final 8% right now, Tampa, 87% Colorado, 5% no preference. Um, who do you expect to win? 74% Colorado, 26% Tampa, the prevailing hot takes on the internet uh, right now are Avalanche in six or seven, and I think that's what you would need. Now they are the I think one of the better rested teams. They're able to yeah. you know do some sweep earlier uh, in the series uh, in the postseason, and I think that's important. Um, they also have some depth. So yeah, do I think they could go six? Do I think they go seven? Yeah, I just I don't think I can pick against a two time recent champion. I don't, I, think, think, I don't think I can do it. I think if I'm if I'm putting the tinfoil hat on, I think a lot of those hot takes are taking into consideration how infrequently the three-peat happens, and that's what they're betting against. I bet yeah. if you polled all of those same people the year after, when typically three-peats tend to happen with that year gap in between, you'd probably get some slightly skewed numbers. But if I was a gambling man, and I was just looking at the frequency in which three-peats happen, and I negated what Tampa has done and, and how they've been, so good over the last few years, I might be inclined to bet against them just because the odds of it happening are so overwhelmingly against them. You're just playing the odds at that point, which I'm guessing is probably a lot of what you're you're seeing there. The likelihood, I'm not even going to bother explaining like odds and likelihood and all that stuff, but <laughs> the odds are potentially the same as if it was any other year. It doesn't take into account like previous year's winnings, but the likelihood of them winning is lower because how often do we see and this is a hypothetical question but how often do you see teams win three years back to back to back it almost never happens so 
from that perspective, the 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 odds are not in their favor. I'm not a, I'm not a betting man, so I'm I'm not even using the right terminology. But the chances of that happening are probably less than uh you know whatnot. But I actually think that I think they're going to win this one, and I bet and I'm willing but, to bet after tonight's game, they may even do it in some kind of like resounding fashion. Like I could see like a five-one series or or something crazy, which is what I hope for. But for the Avalanche? No, 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 no. I think Tampa. I think oh, Tampa's for the Lightning. Win. Yeah. Okay. So you think Lightning in five? I, I, I'm gonna go I, Lightning. I wouldn't be in. shocked if there's like if they win tonight. I could see it. You know, they're playing with a little extra motivation. They're playing for history. They're doing a lot of things that are going on right now. If they pull this one out in overtime against the Avalanche, who's obviously favored to win, that level of momentum, I wouldn't be shocked if we see a four and zero. But I think we're gonna see something crazy. I'm gonna. I, I think they're gonna go. I think they're gonna go in five. Could be, could be. Yeah. All right. On the way out here. Yeah. Follow up to something we talked. We talked about how the House Oversight Committee was going to subpoena, or no, sorry, request that Dan Snyder come in and testify before Congress. He was like, yep. "Nah, he ain't doing it." Uh, his lawyer said, "We're not going to do it because you didn't give us the names of the witnesses that you're planning to call." Um, and. We- we don't know if you're just going to focus on historical workplace issues. That's actual language from, from the lawyer's letter saying why Snyder wouldn't be available to provide testimony. The commissioner, though, Roger Goodell, is going to testify before Congress on June 22nd. So that oh, will be great. Um, but let's talk about historical workplace issues for the Washington commanders, like sexual harassment and assault, um, intimidation, yep. possible money laundering. Yeah, sure. Don't show up to that fucking he- hearing. Just, just don't. Yeah, just don't. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, what is the same person that's advising, you know, Deshaun Watson also just like, you know, advising Dan Snyder? Like, what? This is a terrible, terrible look for you. Like, <sighs> yeah, it, this is super bad. Like, I'm, I'm just going to say this again. Sell the team to Jeff Bezos, please. Just do it. Just do it. <laughs> just, just sell the team. Have, have it be the Washington Primes, <laughs> the Washington Two Days, the Washington, you know, fresh. I don't care. I really don't care. It's. This is bad. This is bad news bears. And you know exactly what's going to happen is that the commissioner is going to make his case on live television in front of the the Senate committee. And Snyder is not going to be able to do anything. What's he going to do? Yeah. Is he going to sue the commissioner of the league? No. How'd that work for Robert Kraft? How'd it work for Jerry Jones? How'd it work for anyone who's ever tried to step out? No, dude. He is going to drag you on TV yep. in front of congressmen. And you're not even going to be there to defend yourself because you didn't. You don't know who the the witnesses are going to be. Why? So you can put out all kinds of dossiers about how they're not really good people. This is. I mean, come on. Yeah. I've not watched enough seasons of How to Get Away with Murder, but I know a little bit more about law school than Dan Snyder's lawyers seem to. So uh, it's super bad. Man. I think this is Ugh. this is protecting your ass 101. If you don't show up, you can't uh, indict yourself. So come up with any right, excuse so you, you want. You can show and- up and take the fifth. He can just show up and take the fifth. Yeah, but that is, well, I understand in a court of law, that is just you uh, vocalizing and uh, claiming your legal right to mm. not say anything. Not incriminate, yeah. But what we know is what that actually means in real life is that you are coming out saying, I'm guilty as fuck and I can't say anything because I'm going to indict myself. So I'm just gonna, yeah. uh, I'm just gonna not, and you now have to. It, the onus is on you to prove that I am actually guilty versus me 
putting my own foot in my mouth. So but I think unlike, I think this is similar but different to that same thing. Unlike some people's thoughts that you can't be subpoenaed if you happen to occupy the highest office in the land, uh, you being a business owner of a football team and Congress being like, all right, we'll subpoena your ass then. You 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 don't you don't you don't show up and you don't answer that subpoena and you try and like fly out somewhere. The marshals will just like apprehend you at the airport. Although so like, be... what what do you really want to do? Like Dan Snyder, you really like you you want to like draw a line in the sand and then go to get on your Gulf Stream and have like you know the U.S. Marshals just pull out of a blacked out suburban and be like you're coming with us. You uh, take I, your latte. Although, you're coming uh, with us. Like, just, like you... show up. To, you know what I mean? I just... Yeah. Although using your your same example, um, there are plenty of. Uh... Folks in official capacities that have declined subpoenas because they felt that they were unlawful. So we've yet to see how that's going to play out in real time. So that's a that's a topic for another day. But it shows if you have enough money and a and enough uh, capacity and stature, uh, you are not playing by the same rules as everybody else. That's that's the one thing I've learned. So super facts. Except for except for us, we we all play by the same rules. We have the same bad hot takes, and you know. We don't we don't play the market, so that'll do it for this episode close. of Stats that Hold on. We have close <laughs> to the same hot takes because uh, I need you to say it one more time for the folks in the back. I was I was what? Uh, you were right. Ah, okay, carry on. Hey, who who was the guy that uh, you were talking about that um that lived next door to your uh, that is wife's... that is our vacation neighbor. No, he's yeah, still yeah. there. Who, who is it? Was it Bob? Was it Payback? It was Glenn Powell, was the guy who who was the uh, like, he's kind of a dick, the very cocky dude. What, hangman, 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 hangman's my neighbor, my vacation neighbor. Yeah. Yep. All right, you're right, and I'm jealous. And this episode, that's for our podcast. Set, set us home, Tim. Set us home. Uh, I probably will not see him this year. I have a sneaking suspicion he will be drastically busier this year than he was in previous years. So, uh. <laughs> Shout out to uh, India for for tuning in. Shout out for everybody uh, stateside who is also tuning in. Shout out to everybody who realized that uh, this Sam Smith is not the Grammy award-winning multinational sellout uh, musical artist Sam Smith. We, we still appreciate you you being here. We could be. You're really good at disguising your, your accent. But uh, thanks, guys. Let's go Celts. Uh, to hell with Tampa. Even they're going to win. And... We're a few months away from football season. Let's go. Also. Oh, yeah. Let's go. A quick shout out to the Red Sox, who have been on fucking fire lately. I think they just lost their first game in, in quite a while, but they are doing phenomenal and drastically overachieving for what my expectations were. So it let's happens. go, boys. Let's go. Let's go. Peace. Peace. Thank you.